0: I'm Michelle Sims, and this is The Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to The Beauty and the Mess. In this episode, Brienne Baer is sharing her wisdom of how to truly lose weight and keep it off, once and for all. Brienne got tired of her weight being like a yo-yo. She has dealt with disordered eating, anorexia, and bulimia, along with addictions even. Her lifetime of ups and downs has led to many periods of losing weight and then regaining the weight. And at one point, she ended up with 120 pounds to lose. Breanne got determined to do it once and for all. She did the research and figured out what worked not only for her lifestyle, but maybe even more importantly, for her body. And now she helps other women and people lose weight and keep it off. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our fair share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our own journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So join me for episode 30 of The Beauty in the Mess called Beyond Dieting with Breanne Bear. Breanne is a nurse who has become a radical transformation coach, helping people lose weight without devoting their lives to being in a gym Following rigid meal plans, dieting, deprivation, or even counting calories. But with that being said, please note that this episode does not contain medical advice. You need to consult your doctor before trying anything at home. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Brienne. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. We're so happy to have you with us today.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, of course. Now, I know you're a successful weight loss coach today, but I was wondering if you could take us back in your life a little bit and tell us what led you to this
1: by any chance. Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. So it goes back to me being about 13 years old. I had been a bigger girl pretty much my whole life. So my mom even says I was born a big girl. I was like eight pounds, nine ounces. And so I just was built different than most young girls and it started to catch up to me mentally right around the time i was entering high school so my eighth grade year i started realizing that if you eat less you weigh less essentially and so i started to cut down on food slowly and it eventually became something where i was eating a neutral green bar every day. And that was it. And I think those are like 120 calories, like the whole day. I still don't know. Sometimes I question was God keeping me alive because I don't know what else did at that point. And so I carried on like that for about a year and a half. I lost 30 pounds in a summer break from school. And so summer breaks are only about a month and a half. If you really add it up, it was a very fast, unsafe weight loss, I remember teachers coming to me, soccer coaches coming to me and being like, Hey, you know, your parents are really worried about you. Are you okay? And I brushed it off and just said, No, I work out a lot. And once I got into high school, I got a boyfriend and he took me out to eat all the time. So (laughs) I didn't want to hide things from him. So I did start eating healthy. I started working at Subway. So Slowly and surely, I recovered from the eating disorder, anorexia, and it actually turned into a different eating disorder where I would binge and purge. So that's bulimia and there's different forms of it, but that was the one that I had, the binging and purging. And that went on through nursing school. So it carried me through up until I was like 20 years old. And then I finally recovered from that. And about three years later, I ended up with a drug addiction. So Mm -hmm. I went from eating disorders to drug addiction, opioids. I had a son at 18. They gave me Percocet and it slowly kind of like the eating disorders just turned into a full blown thing and recovered from that. This whole time, my weight was going up, down, up, down, because I was going through so many like massive life-changing situations that I wasn't at that time focused on my weight when I was going through drug addiction. And I would go into recovery for a short time, gain a bunch of weight, go back into active addiction, lose the weight. So it was just a constant yo-yo. And I had two more babies after I entered recovery for the last time. And with babies come pregnancy and with pregnancy often comes a lot of weight gain. So after three babies, I was 270 pounds. And then again, after years of addictions and recoveries, it wasn't just that I was 270 pounds, but I was very, very unhealthy. I didn't take care of myself mentally, physically in no way, shape or form. I mean, I ate peanut butter cups for breakfast, like a candy bar for lunch, and fast food for dinner. I was so unhealthy. So in 2018, after my last son was born, I was like thinking I've got to do something because I don't know how I'm going to live long enough to take care of these babies that I have. So I started researching. I had done keto before. And at this point I went on a ketogenic lifestyle and I don't do that anymore, but that's what I was doing then. and. I did about a year of that and I dropped about 60 pounds. But what I found with that is a lot of my old disordered eating patterns were coming up with keto. So I would do really well all week. And a lot of people can probably relate to this. I would eat so healthy all week. And then the weekend would come around and it was the cakes and the cookies and the peanut butter cups again. Right. So I stopped that and kind of like figured out my own lifestyle that works for me, that isn't keto, isn't low carb, isn't a diet, but is very healthy. And I don't weigh things. I don't measure things. I don't track anything. I just listen to my body very like intuitive with my hunger cues and I've created a lifestyle. And then that is what I use now after I lost another 60 pounds. With that lifestyle. So 60 with keto, 60 with non dieting. So you could say you don't have to diet to lose the same exact amount of weight. I was a bit of an experiment, and that's the title. The name of my company is Girl Stop Dieting. So I turned it into a formula, a framework, if you will. And that is exactly what I teach my clients.
0: I read where you say that you're against dieting. Is that accurate? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think dieting was what kind of sent me over the edge with my eating disorders. It was right around the time the internet was starting to come out. And I remember having this big old computer in the corner of our living room and I would go to AOL.com and I would type in and look up things or ask Jeeves back then. And I would say like, how do I lose weight fast? And it was always diet, diet, diet. So this was 2002, diet culture was way different back then. And it took my little girl, 13, 12 year old brain, and it just morphed it into, okay, so I eat less and I weigh less. And I had this hyper focus on it, eat less, weigh less, because that's what all the dieting blogs say. And so it's definitely something that was harmful for my little girl brain, all the diet talk and diets aren't always bad because there are some forms of healthy eating that can be considered dieting. But I think it's really the culture that's been wrapped around diets that has harmed some of us, especially when we were little.
0: So this might be an odd question, but do you think some of the addiction relapses were because you knew when you were addicted that you would lose the weight? So when you came out of rehab and you were heavier, yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering.
1: I didn't eat a whole lot through some of my periods of active addiction. And I didn't think about food. It's funny because when you're in active eating disorder forms of addiction, all you do is think about food. You are, like I said, hyper-focused on it. But when you're addicted to something else, food is not something that you need for survival. It's the, whatever you are addicted to that you need for survival. So it was like this distraction kind of thing.
0: Yeah. That's what I was curious about. Yeah. So you also talk about the mind body connection with weight loss, and I'm sure that's part of probably what you teach to your clients, but could you explain what that is for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I realized when I went into this journey was the whole time I was doing keto, I wasn't listening to my body. And I was just kind of, okay, I need to do these macros. I need to make sure I don't eat more than this amount of calories every day, tracking it, being a little bit obsessive, if you will, about it. And I I listened to what the guidelines of the ketogenic lifestyle wanted me to do. And one thing I found when I went and switched over to my own form of a lifestyle was I could listen to my body and make decisions based off what it told me. So for example, if I know that that time of the month is coming, I eat a little bit differently. And the only way that I know that that time of the month is coming is because my body communicates with me. You may feel a twinge of cramping. You may feel a little moodiness. Like I never listened before to any signs from my body, it was just marking it on the calendar. This was the last day I had my last period. And that's kind of what we're taught. I feel like in school, in health class, or at least what we're accustomed to is knowing dates and data and writing things down. But if you listen, if you tune up your mind and your body together, you don't need a calendar anymore. You know when it's coming. You know when you're getting sick. You know when you're hungry. You know when you're thirsty. But a lot of times we just kind of turn that connection off. And scientifically, it has a lot to do with your gut and your brain and this thing called the gut brain axis A X I S, not access, (laughs) gut brain axis. And when your gut is healthy and your mind is healthy, your brain is healthy, those two things. They talk to each other, and that's where things like hunger cues come in. Uh, and when your body is in a healthier state, you can feel your hormone shifting. You do understand when you're tired, and you can also understand more of what you need, too. So it's kind of just this thing where before I feel like I was cut off at the neck. There was no communication between here and down here, and it was all just. Thoughts, right? Just I was always thinking things, but I didn't use any data from my body to interpret. I just made decisions based off my own mind. But now I listen to my body, and then that is what helps me make decisions now.
0: Because I'm thinking, as you're speaking, a lot of us, I even hear a lot of people at work, but they watch the clock. And when it hits that certain time, oh, I got to eat. It doesn't matter if they're hungry or not, they have to eat
1: dinner, same
0: thing. How do you stop those habitual things? I mean, that we're just all programmed to do.
1: It's hard. It (laughs) is really, really hard at first. But one thing that is great about people is as routine as we are, when we are very determined, if you will, to do something, we're willing to try it just for a little while. And so something that I think helps women, especially is let's just start with one meal and let's just change that one meal. And so one issue a lot of my clients have is they don't eat breakfast. And so a lot of people don't know this, but a huge indicator of your body being in a lot of stress is no appetite in the morning. Now, it doesn't mean that you have a body full of stress if you're never hungry in the morning, but it could And so when my clients come into my program, I ask them, that's one of the first questions I ask is, are you eating breakfast? And they're either like, yeah, you know, I used to eat breakfast, but lately I haven't been hungry. And that's when I usually know, okay, they probably have a stressful life. So they're not sleeping well, um, or something like that. So if we can work on maybe just that one meal in the morning, and when they start changing just one thing, then it helps us to change their lunch as well. So let's say they weren't eating. So they would have lunch around like 11 o'clock. And it was that, like you said, they're checking the clock. Okay, it's 11, I have to eat whether I'm hungry or not. Usually when you start to eat breakfast and in turn your cortisol levels are going down, you're actually getting hungrier sooner. And so the lunch time starts to change. And so essentially it is looking at things like stress levels I'm not a doctor or anything like that. I am a nurse, but I'm not a doctor. So I can't give them medical advice. And of course, none of this is medical advice, but this is all stuff you can find online. If you look it up, things that I researched when I was going through it and found out about my own body. And I just worked on one thing at a time. Most days I eat breakfast. That's a big one, but I just never have been a breakfast eater. So I just listen. If my body's hungry at nine in the morning, I eat. If it's hungry at 10 instead, it's more like of a brunch. So it looks totally different every day. And that is where you just have to kind of relinquish control. <laughs> Cause a lot of people they are looking at the watch a <laughs> lot of time. But I will say that I find that a lot of people eat a lot less when they listen to their body instead of having these timed kind of meals. And people don't really realize how much they are eating during the day. Because when you eat, when you're not hungry, it messes with those sensors within our bodies. So then our body doesn't tell us accurately when we are hungry or not. And when you do relinquish some of that control, you can get some of those cues back, which is a wonderful thing.
0: So what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Because I know a lot of people were talking to me about it for a while and I was doing it for a while. I haven't been lately, but I hear a lot of different thoughts on it. So I was just curious what you think.
1: Yeah, no, it's a hot topic in my niche, if you will. But you know, I did intermittent fasting for a long time when I was doing the keto lifestyle. I have some clients who still swear by it and they do it. And that's the thing with my clients. I don't prescribe any particular meal plan or anything if something's already working for them, when they come into the program, we're going to stick with that. Okay. So with intermittent fasting, it is tricky only because some people end up not eating enough in that window of time where they are permitted, if you will, to eat. And some people are way too good at fasting. So they could go all day long. And, you know, if they've gone four hours without eating, I can go another two- So they're like, not eating enough. I, I would say that's the only issue I see with intermittent fasting and something I also struggled with because I did it in the summer most of the time. And I would be out on the water. I live on the river. So every time I look over, I'm just checking out the river to see if there's any birds over there. <laughs> I would go out on the kayak and I would spend half the day out, not bring snacks. And that was why I did it in the summer. Cause it was easier for me to fast. And I would come home, seven o'clock would roll around and I'd be like, oh goodness, I haven't eaten anything today. So it really depends. And that is just me from my history of not eating for long periods of time. And it can become a little disordered for people. And what I mean by that is if you are someone who is a nighttime eater, for example. So if somebody has a really super busy workday and they're not eating a whole lot during the day normally, and they come home and they kind of have a little bit of a binge session, then it may be difficult for them to get out of that binge mentality. And that's what a lot of women do, believe it or not. We are notorious for work, work, work all day, come home and we're having a pantry session, just standing in front of the cupboards. (laughs) So with people like that, I would say they need a little extra work to make sure that they're not going hungry all day. And then having what's called biological binges, which is just severe biological hunger when they get home. Um, So it it just depends as long as it's done in a healthy way and people are getting enough calories because you still have to eat the same amount.
0: Right. Just in a
1: shorter, just in a shorter time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not a big fan of diets per se is One of the major factors, just nutrition, what you're putting in your mouth, putting in your body. And a lot of us, I think what we think is healthy really isn't healthy. And so how do they school themselves on nutrition? I mean, really good nutrition.
1: It's actually almost kind of a trick. I kind of play a trick on my clients and I'll explain. So they come into my program oftentimes very much in a dieting mentality. So they are watching what they eat, right? They are eating bland chicken and salads and all of these foods that aren't all that satisfying all the time, but they're still not seeing any results with that dieting. And the reason for it is when you tell your brain, you can't have something, like a Snickers or a Three Musketeers or even a cookie or even bread, your brain wants it more because those foods light up our pleasure centers in our brain. And the salad with a little bit of ranch and the very bland chicken, it doesn't really do a whole lot for (laughs) our brains pleasure wise. So we want what we can't have essentially. So one of the huge things about the Girl Stop Dieting Method is you can eat whatever you want. You are open to all foods. It's like a food neutral thing.
0: Then do you track calories?
1: So what happens at first is sometimes people, they go and they get their favorite peanut butter cups and they might go a little crazy for a couple of days. And then they come back to me and they're like, okay, you told me I could eat anything I wanted and I did, but now I don't feel like I want to do that anymore. They can have those foods in their homes And when we're dieting, we don't often buy the foods that sometimes trigger us. So Oreos, for example, Doritos are my two triggers. If I had them in the house back years ago, I would just eat them all at once. Like the whole bag, the whole thing. Nowadays, if I have them in the home, I don't touch them. And it's different because when I know I can't have those Doritos because I'm dieting, I want them more. I'm like salivating, thinking about Doritos But if I know I can go get a handful of them and that it's not going to mess up my weight loss or my maintenance for me, then I just go and I have a handful. And I know that they're there for later. If I decide I want more tomorrow, the next day. So it's just really a switch from the dieting mentality into a more food neutral thing. It sounds a lot like intuitive eating. It isn't. Intuitive eating is essentially what I do, but intuitive eating is not meant in any way for any kind of weight loss. So there is still the element of, okay, we know we're trying to get healthier, lower stress levels, sleep better. So in turn, we will lose some fat. So keep that in the back of your mind as a client, right? But we also know that if we're at Grandma's birthday party on a Friday night, you can have cake as well. And it's a lot of moderation. I hate that word. I feel like it's been overplayed, and people don't actually do moderation. People do moderation with every meal, right? Like a cookie is moderation, but if I do it with every meal, so it just doesn't work out. So it's a lot of mental, you know, it's a lot of me training my clients how to open their mind up to the fact that you can actually eat anything you want at any time. And when you just have that mentality, you end up eating less, you end up having less cravings. And of course, there's other things. We implement other habits. They're drinking their water, they're moving their body. So when you have a more balanced body overall, you have less cravings. When you have less stress, you have less cravings. And when you're not dieting, you have a lot less stress. And you have a lot less craving. So there's a lot that goes into it all with the undieting, if you will. But the biggest thing that changes my clients around their nutrition is understanding that all foods are okay to eat, but we know which foods are going to better serve our bodies. So we don't call food good or bad. And we don't rate it on a scale of one to 10 or anything like that. But I always tell them, if you pick up a new food at the grocery store and you have two in your hand and one has an ingredient list this long and they're the same food and one has an ingredient list like that long, which is the better option? The one with less ingredients always. So it's a lot of that kind of nutrition, common sense type of stuff. And other than that, just having a very neutral mindset around it.
0: And what I've learned too, is if it says low fat, then it's got high sodium. They balance (laughs) it with other things. So you don't notice the fat's missing and it's still not healthy. We think it is because it has that label on it. So Mm -hmm. you don't guide people towards a raw diet or anything like that.
1: No, I do tell people that whole food is always going to be our best option. And you have so many options nowadays when you go into a grocery store, right? You can go to the frozen food section and grab already made mac and cheese dinners, like (laughs) the Stouffer's huge. And you can feed that to you and your family, or you can go and get the ingredients yourself. You can make your own mac and cheese, and then you at least know what's in it because you made the ingredients and put it all together yourself. And even though Mac and cheese for some people would be not what they would think of as a healthy meal, at least when you're making it, you know, what's going into it. Right. And another thing I tell my clients is to replace the word carbs with fiber and to always make sure that the carbs, when you're eating carbs, this is something that worked for me, just like another mindset switch, is I don't look at bread as carbs any longer, I look at it as fiber. And so when I do that, I wanna check the label to see which bread is the best fiber wise, which is the one I'm gonna get the most fiber from. And so then we stop demonizing bread and we look at it more as this is nutritious and it's a source of fiber for me, which is something I absolutely need every single day. And then finding maybe the best whole grain bread, Just little things like that. So I don't really say carbs anymore. I say fiber. So when I'm making a plate of food, I go by protein, fat, fiber. I pick my protein first. I add some healthy fat to it. And then I add a fiber. Now me particularly cannot have gluten anymore. I can, but it upsets my stomach so bad. So I really thought when I stopped eating gluten that I had no options left. And that is just not true. I still eat rice. I still eat potatoes. Really. The only thing I can't have is normal bread. And I found a gluten-free replacement. So we are very lucky nowadays because they have made options for a lot of these food sensitivities that are very common. So it's pretty easy to live different kinds of lifestyles if you have to.
0: Yeah. You brought up an interesting note because I found a place that checks you for food sensitivities, almost a thousand. And when it comes back and you see what your body doesn't like, it's kind of shocking because my brain may like it, but I'm learning my body doesn't like
1: it. So it's a tool. Did you you can... a <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I wanted to ask you. So did you notice that the foods that the test came out as maybe a little harmful for you. Did you have any issues with those foods before? Does it make sense now?
0: It does. You know, I love tomatoes, but I know if I eat a lot of tomato sauce or something, my stomach gets upset. So that one lit up on me. Celery lit up on me. I'm thinking there's nothing in celery. But Yeah, it was just strange. Almost every bread, even gluten-free cereals, gluten-free breads. I mean, they were all lightened up. So I was like, wow. But I do know if I eat regular pasta, if I start feeling bloated and I'm learning to try to pay a little bit more attention to my body too. And I'm like, man, there's something about pasta that even though my brain craves it, my body doesn't like it so much. (laughs) I guess for me, it's a tool that I can start to use to leverage against myself. You may think you want it, but your body's telling you, you don't want it.
1: Yeah. It's that pleasure center thing. And our brains are tricky because it wants as much pleasure as we can possibly give it. So bread is pleasurable. Who says no to bread? Like bread is incredible. So your brain knows you love it. So you think of bread and it's like, yeah, I want bread. I always want bread.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I <get it. laughs> So. I would like to also talk about how important you think exercise is. And I know it's important, but I mean, what should people be striving to do every day? How much and what type?
1: Great question. I'm kind of an interesting case. So I started exercising about four or five months into my journey. So the first four months I had lost weight just by switching up how I was eating and being more aware of what I was eating, right. And doing keto. And then once the springtime rolled around, I started walking and I started walking every single day. I started out with about two miles. So it's about four years later now. And I still walk every single day. Walking kills 10 birds with one stone for me. I'm getting the sunlight in the morning. So that's vitamin D. And then they say that. Sunlight helps with your circadian rhythm to help you sleep at night. So that's helping. It lowers stress levels. I always say it's good for the emotional damage. It's exercise. So there's five right there that I can think of off the top of my head. Circulation. There's so many benefits to walking. And a lot of people say things like cardio isn't great for weight loss. Go with lift weights and all these things. And I think weightlifting is great. My youngest son, he lifts weights every single day and he's also very healthy. And you can see that he can eat probably 8,000 calories in a day and not gain weight. So he's doing something right. But walking just has done it for me. I think that when you enjoy what you're doing, that is the most important thing. And I also think that starting slow and working your way Up. So, like I said, I started at about two miles a day and now I'm at usually about four. Some days I get five miles in.
0: That's great. In
1: about the same amount of time. Thanks. Oh, wow. Yeah. In about the same amount of time I used to do two miles in, but I'm also four years along. So, it was every day a lot of working the muscles, essentially, just my lungs getting in shape with it. And I do try to walk pretty fast, but I do work out maybe one, two times a week, and I'll just do some weightlifting squats and stuff like that. Calisthenics, nothing crazy. I don't go to the gym. I've tried gym memberships. They're just not really for me. I don't enjoy being around other people while sweating. It's not my thing.
0: (laughs) It almost becomes (laughs) more of a donation where you're just donating and you quit going. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like thinking about Getting out of the gym as soon as you walk in, type of thing. So it's not my thing. But I know some people love going like super early in the morning. I just think you have to love it, whatever it is that you're doing.
0: Right.
1: Whether it's strength training, walking, running, yoga, movement is movement, in my opinion. And as long as you enjoy the movement, your brain is going to work with your body. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, And you're telling, you know, I have to go on this stupid walk. And the whole time, like you're complaining about it in your head, it's counterproductive. So you just have to enjoy it.
0: For me, just trying to find a place like a park or something where you're out in nature is worth it, even regardless of the exercise. But they also say just the fact that you're moving your body, like your lymph system, I've heard, I'm not a doctor either, but I've heard your lymph system doesn't work unless you move. And that's what pumps the blood through the lymph system and filters it. So you have to move.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So how do you feel about meditation and mindfulness? Does that play into the weight loss for you?
1: Yeah. Daily? I haven't been doing it daily lately. Now that is only because lately my kids wake up so early. I wake up about five something, five thirty, five forty-five to try and get a few minutes of meditation, just quiet, peaceful time in. But I don't know if they have like a sensor on them or something that as soon as I walk by their room, they're like, oh, we can smell her. She's awake. And then they're <laughs> right behind me, <laughs> you know, so when they were much smaller, when I started this whole journey, I used to meditate sometimes an hour every morning and man, it helped so much. It's hard to explain kind of the ways that it helped because I feel like it's a very unseen thing, but it's a felt thing. And until you do meditation or mindfulness, even on your own, And really get into the groove of it until it becomes truly effective. It's hard to explain how it truly benefits you. But I will say that I used to be a very emotionally labile person. My moods would swing so fast. My husband looks at me wrong and I would snap. And I don't do that anymore. And so I think it had a lot to do with that calm peaceful time in the mornings. And I do try to get it done in the mornings, except in the summer, we live on the river. So I walk down the dirt road a little bit and I have a meditation rock and I will go and I will just sit on that rock. Sometimes it's morning, sometimes it's afternoon and I just take in the river. So like you said, nature has been huge for me. And I always tell my husband, okay, I'm going to church. And that means I'm going to my rock and that's my church. So, I pray there, I meditate there, I just do weird spiritual things out there on my rock. Not weird, but you know what I mean. Right. It's been very healing. And I don't think people realize how healing nature is, water is, clean water. What a blessing to have a clean river that goes right by our house. Things that we take for granted for much of our lives when you get a little older you start to realize the beauty in very small things. And I've had experiences out there on the river, on that rock where I was meditating and opening my eyes. And there's like an Eagle right above me on oh, the tree. Wow. <laughs> there's like blue games and it's almost like they're watching me waiting for me to open my eyes, just really cool things that have happened out there. So I absolutely love meditating And just stopping, I think that's really where you get the benefit is like stopping long enough to be present in that very moment that you're in without worrying about what you have to do, what bills you have to pay, what kids appointments you have later in the day. It is such a incredible practice and it doesn't have to be a spiritual thing. It can mean so many different things for different people. Meditation isn't always spiritual. It's a quiet time to spend with yourself with your eyes closed. And so I think a lot of people avoid it because they think, oh, I have to pray to God or I have to do some form of spiritual ritual while I'm meditating. You don't. It's just closing your eyes and just letting the rest kind of happen.
0: So for people that don't know, what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation? Or is there, in your opinion, much of a difference?
1: Well, you know, I think meditation just is mindfulness, but it becomes a little bit deeper. So I've kind of tried both. Mindfulness is, from what I understand, just being present in the moment. And it's more of not really worrying too much about thoughts that come in as you're sitting Quietly, But meditation is kind of trying your best to when thoughts come up to kind of get them out of your head. And I think meditation is meant to be more of a clear minded moment or moments. And then mindfulness is being present because some people do mindfulness with their eyes open and meditate that way too. And some people do mindfulness for one to five minutes. And to me, I think meditation is when I do it clearer minded as, as well as you could be clear minded. Cause if you have ADHD, like I do, there's no such thing, but you just try to do your best when the thoughts come up, when you're meditating to kind of, and here's how I picture it in my head. If a thought comes up, I picture myself just sweeping it out and trying to keep like a floor clean. And so that is what helps me get through my meditation, which is usually 10 minutes to an hour, depending on how much time I have.
0: So, you mentioned ADHD. Do you feel like the meditation helps that for the rest of the day? I mean, not just in that time frame, but for the rest of the day?
1: Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I went a lot of years not knowing I had ADHD. And I actually just got formally diagnosed in the end of 2022. So, I've only known formally that I've had it for about three months now. And I was already trying to treat it myself without knowing that that's what was going on. And something happened at the end of 2021. That was just very hurtful. I had a fallout with a friend and it triggered something in my brain and my ADHD got worse after a couple of months. And Again, I didn't know what it was back then. So me and my doctor, I have an amazing doctor or NP, I should say. And we started working on it, therapy and figuring out that's probably what it is. I've been told it was anxiety my whole life, but come to find out it was anxiety from the symptoms of ADHD and meditation has helped so much, so much calming the mind And I used to have a lot of racing thoughts before I meditated. And that I think is the biggest difference that I see is my mind, even if I'm just sitting still and I'm not dwelling on things like I used to always have something going on in the back of my mind, but it's easy after you meditate for a while to sit with a clear mind and another thing I find is I don't worry about things anymore. And I don't know if, like I said, if it's that sweeping thing that I use <laughs> in my meditations or, but I easily, if a thought comes up, that's harmful to me and I realize it, I sweep it out. And so it's just things I've used in my meditation has carried throughout the rest of the day. So yeah, it's been okay. so helpful.
0: They say that those visualizations that we make are very powerful to the mind. So it probably is helping you more than you realize to visualize clearing it out. But yeah, yeah. I was just curious when you mentioned that, because I have two children with ADHD. Well, one has ADD, one has ADHD, and there's a big difference between the two even. But yeah, I don't think she would sit still to meditate, but i was just curious <laughs> if it helped. I'm going to
1: try to encourage her. So. I would. And I'm not the hyperactive type. I'm the unfocused type. So I don't have a problem with sitting still most of the time, but I will say that I have found on Spotify, I'm not sure how old she is, but they have some walking meditations. So sometimes people will do those just kind of moving back and forth. And so you don't necessarily have to sit still, but it's more of like a movement Form of meditation. So you might want to just search on Spotify walking meditation. That may help her.
0: Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. So as we kind of wrap up today, is there anything we haven't talked about that you think would be important for our listeners to hear or that you would want to mention?
1: I would just say that people who are looking for a life change in any way, mine was with my weight and a lot with my mindset. But I know there are women that go through so many different things, whether it's divorce or bad habits, addictions. The biggest thing that I had to change first was understanding that I was well-prepared no matter what to do anything. I didn't have a lot of money back when I started this journey. I didn't have a lot of time. I had two very young babies and... I didn't have a lot of support, just my husband, but I took what I did have and I showed gratitude to that and it just grew and it grew and it grew and everything kind of got bigger over time. But the big difference I see between back when I used to try and change things before 2018 and when I was finally successful is I didn't give myself an out. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't say, if this doesn't work. I never said that. Um, I always knew it was going to work. And I just said, I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to lose this weight. It took almost three years. So that's only like 30, 40 pounds a year, which isn't much. It's a couple pounds a month, but it added up.
0: That's an amazing accomplishment. (laughs) I mean, you've achieved a lot.
1: So no plan B and having the confidence to just do it, no matter if you have a lot, or if you don't have much, You don't need a whole lot. You just need that confidence.
0: You talked earlier about nothing is off limits. So as part of it, telling yourself or reminding yourself that you're choosing to do this, that this is a choice, that you're choosing not to pick the Snickers bar, you're choosing to grab the apple, whatever it is. Do you consciously think that or not?
1: I used to in the beginning. So what happens is when you do make those conscious choices in the beginning, you start to lose the cravings. Your body starts to become a little less attracted to sugar, if you will. So the less sugar you eat, the less your body wants it. In my opinion, that's just how I felt it happened with me. Mm -hmm. I used to live off of sugar and then I went keto, which is no sugar basically at all. And with that big change, I noticed that sugar tastes different to me now. So a Snickers bar tastes different than it used to. It's almost intolerable for me. Oh, wow. Um, It's too much. Yeah, it's weird. So I think taste buds change with making a lot of those conscious decisions. Now, occasionally I will eat a Caramello. That's my thing. Caramellos are incredible. The Caramel Cadbury eggs. They're so (laughs) good, (laughs) right? (laughs) But I'll eat like half of it, save the other half for later. Whereas I used to eat three at a time. So it's making conscious small decisions over time. Like you said, to choose the apple instead of the Snickers, you'll notice that you want it less and less and less over time. And then eventually you can have half a Snickers bar and be a hundred percent satisfied and save the other half for the next day or a week later, whenever.
0: That's amazing. That's great.
1: Thanks.
0: Well, how can people, if they want to reach out to you or follow you or connect to you, what's the best ways?
1: You can go to girlstopdieting.com. And I actually have a free quiz on there that will tell you your dieting persona. <laughs> so there's a couple of different personas that people fall into when they start a diet, whether they're becoming super strict or they're kind of all over the place. So I made up names for them. You can figure out your own diet persona and you'll get a little tip at the end. So if you just go to girlstopdieting.com, I think it's the top link, but it will say free diet quiz and you can take that. And then at the bottom, my social media accounts are there, but that's also on Instagram, just Girl Stop Dieting, and on Facebook, Girl Stop Dieting. And I don't really use TikTok a whole lot. So it's just okay. Girl Stop Dieting.
0: Okay, great. I'll make sure and put it in the show notes too. So they'll see it there if they want. So I I really want to thank you today. Your accomplishment is huge. All of your accomplishments, but 120 pounds (laughs) is nothing to sneeze at. So congratulations on that. Congratulations on your business. It's awesome.
1: Thank thank you so much, Michelle.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being with us today.
1: Yes, of course. (laughs) Thank you. Take care, Michelle. You too. Bye-bye.
0: As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Brienne sharing her journey and her wisdom has helped you in some way. A few things really stood out to me. First, Brienne was very open in how she shared her weight loss journey and all of the struggles along the way. And I think getting to, and especially maintaining a healthy weight, is something that many of us struggle with. There is so much information out there, what is correct, what's the right way, etc. It becomes very confusing and very tough without guidance. And secondly, I think Brienne is doing something wonderful by teaching people to listen to their bodies and make a conscious decision to change what they are doing. She noted at first, it's constantly reminding yourself that this is a choice. This is the choice you are making and choosing each and every day, each and every meal. But later on, as she told us, it just becomes how you do things. It becomes automatic. And Brienne also reminds us that the most important ingredient, if you will, in weight loss is just having the confidence and knowing that you can do it. You just have to believe in yourself. Don't put time constraints on it. And then just go for it. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty and the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyandthemess.com. Thanks for listening.